This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. Look, this will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there is a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I actually liked. I'd find a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's finally done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for without sacrifice. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything you need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? And I am fired up to announce that after way too long, the Yahoo Sports NBA guru will be dominating the association's coverage throughout the year. A woman who is preparing to take a huge European basketball scouting trip, where she'll be evaluating talents like Victor Wenbanyama, and a close friend of this podcast who takes her bath salts very seriously, Miss... Kristen Peake, what's going on, KP? I love that intro. I mean, it's almost like I've heard you say it uh, three times now. <laughs> I mean, you know that I'm very vulnerable right now. So let the record reflect a couple of things here. One, I think we're setting podcast history. So I caught a, uh, a late surprise and I go pick up my kid. So I'm literally driving while we're recording this. I've heard guests drive while giving podcast appearance, but never hosts. So I think that I'm actually setting a record. But two, it turns out that it was a terrible fucking idea because this is like my eighth intro. I keep losing reception. And I was hoping that KP would be professional about it, but she's already made me feel bad. So (laughs) that's where we stand as this episode gets off here. Wait, wait. Can we also let the record show that you are now pulled over and leaving your kid that you're supposed to pick up? stranded no, because <laughs> no we cannot allow the record to show that and in fact i am driving even further i felt like i was already really vulnerable there christian i don't know if you had to throw me that deep under the bus here listen i don't i don't have to throw you under the bus you do it yourself it's, it's fine <laughs> you bastard anyways if you start hearing like terrible honking it's because i've caused like a 45 car pileup but with that in mind let's jump in and Kristen. I've got a ton of Warrior stuff for you. Um, Your appearance has been looked forward to, and because of that, I've called a whole bunch of questions I'm excited to see your answers to. But before that, we also exchanged some texts, and during that text, you let me know that you had another tenant story. When I was screwing up the intro, you intimated that you had a couple of other off-the-court shit for us. So let's start there. What do you got? Oh my gosh. Uh, this is just like, do you know what I, I, th- I blame, I blame this podcast on this happening today. Cause like, as we know, my tenant, my ex tenant has been out of my basement apartment now since like June 1st or the beginning of June. So I haven't really thought about him or 
any or ruining my basement or using my bath salts and my bath with his girlfriend when I'm out of town. I haven't really thought about that for a minute. And so I'm getting ready to sell my house. I go downstairs and like the way he has the bed in the spare bedroom, I'm like, I don't really like it like this. So I go to move, by the way, this is my bed frame, my mattress that I paid for that I'm just like, eh, I'll just leave it in there, like whatever. And I go to move my bed and it, the bed frame falls apart. Oh. He, he broke my bed frame, didn't tell me and just like leaned it up against the wall, like happy days, nothing was wrong. Like I would never find out. And it was, it was broke. I was so mad. Oh my gosh. And like, because I was mad, then Gary, my dog was getting like anxiety. So he's like whining at me because I'm cursing at this bed frame. Anyways, it was a whole thing. I'm like, oh my gosh. The moral of the story is like, I have to, I cannot live with people ever because <laughs> they just, they use my stuff and they break my furniture. That's the moral of the story. I don't care what the side hustle is or like how much I'm charging them to like live with me either in a spare room or like a basement apartment. I can't do it. It's not worth it. How old is this person? He's 28 years old. He's a grown ass adult. Yeah, because that's not like in college, I can remember leaving a house, having broken something and then felt hella bad about it, but was too embarrassed to admit it to anybody and then just ate it on the deposit, you know, okay. but like ran away and like then that kind of thing. At 28, that's, that's then, some unacceptable shit. Wait, 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 did I, did I tell you guys about the carbon monoxide alarm that he ripped from my wall? Did I tell you about this? No. Oh my God. So he, he the, one of the carbon monoxide alarm in the bedroom was not just, you know, not just unscrewed and taken out when people don't want to change the batteries. No, it was like ripped from the wall. So, and I noticed this right after he moved out. So I was like, dude, what happened to the carbon monoxide alarm? He goes, oh, it was the weirdest thing. When I would take showers in the morning, the steam from the shower would make the alarm go off. And I'm like, this dude is such an idiot. He thought that was a smoke alarm. And now he's lying to me about it because him and his girlfriend were vaping in my basement and not telling me. And now he's saying that the smoke from a shower was setting off a carbon monoxide alarm. I'm like, oh, weird. So I called him out on that. So then I, I sent him a text. I was like, hey, I'm staging my place today for an open house. Why didn't you tell me you broke my bed frame? The entire <laughs> leg inside fell off. I can't even move it. He's like, I didn't say anything because it was like that from the first day I moved in. Okay, I'm calling bullshit right there. Sorry, I know my mom listens to the podcast. She does not like it when I curse, but it is complete BS. Oh, Mrs. I should say, Mrs. Peak, we really respect you, but if you don't like cussing, I'm not sure if this is the podcast for you. We've, we've got an unfortunately potty mouth. And I should also say that if he is not a liar, he needs to get a lawyer immediately and start suing you for whatever the hell is in your shower, dude. Because if it's putting <laughs> off like carbon monoxide fumes, there are big things going on in that downstairs basement. My gosh, I know. Don't even don't even say those words because I I don't want to I don't want the inspection to go through my house and be like, oh, we found meth in your walls. Like, we're, no, we're not. That would no. be. You don't, you don't want that to happen? You think that might impact your ability to sell the house? Maxime, uh, before we start talking about basketball, let me share something via text. KP and I were texting a little bit earlier today. Here's a text from about two hours ago. Quote, I think the biggest takeaway from living in Utah is KP likes to live alone. Can we just pause for a minute and congratulate her on the third person reference? Because it was just so amazingly well done. Bram loves it when people do that. Wait, can we go back? 
a few texts before that. And I have to tell you, like the biggest blonde moment probably of recent memory is when you sent me the text, because we had you had said you're like, okay, can you do can you do this podcast at 4 30 p.m. Pacific time? And I was like, sure, no problem. That was over, that was over Twitter. And then yeah. you send me this text. If it works for you, let's confirm this afternoon's recording closer to 2 p.m. my time. I may have a work Zoom and that would screw everything up, but I'm hoping to work around it by two. So at like 1.50, I'm like <laughs> looking in the mirror, like, oh my gosh, I haven't washed my hair. Like, let me throw on some mascara in case they want this to be like a video. And then I like set up my light. I get my computer all set, 2 p.m. Oh, no. comes. And I'm like, okay, maybe he's in a work meeting. I'll just give it 30 <laughs> minutes. 3 p.m. comes. I'm like, what is happening? And then I'm making me feel like an asshole. I'm feeling terrible now. I reread the text and I was like, oh, no, no, no. He meant he would know by two o'clock if we could still record at 4.30, which by the way, you never, you never told me at two, what time would you go on? You told me like 20 minutes before we came on. Hey, I just told you I'm feeling like shit and I'm almost crashing. I'm leaving my <laughs> kid completely alone to have this conversation. You don't have to make me feel terrible. You know what I mean? It, it is what it is. My apologies for sure. No, I'm, I'm telling you, like I read it the wrong way. Like that is a very blonde moment to read it and be like, oh, he means two o'clock. Who doesn't love midday podcasts? Like I would, I would love to record a midday podcast. Well, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised you didn't text me saying KP will not be coming on your podcast. So, you know, we, we were able to get over that hurdle. Let's jump into hoop. So, like I said, I got a bunch of warrior stuff for you. Um, and they veer from like what you think is going to happen with second year players to schedule questions. But before I get there, I'm really I don't know, curious about this European trip because I just recently went down a rabbit hole with Wenman Miyama uh, YouTube clips. So where are you going? What are you doing? Who are you going to watch? What is this trip? It's not that exciting because I actually, like I'm not going to see, <laughs> I should have told you this when you were screwing up the first three or four intros, but uh, I'm not going to see, <laughs> I'm not going to see Victor yet because his season doesn't start um, for another month or six weeks. So uh, I will be coming back to see Victor at yep. some point, um, but I'm actually going to see um, uh, two other top five draft prospects, the Thompson twins, Ahmed and Asar Thompson, who are playing for Overtime Elite. They're sending a team over there to play in Spain and Serbia. I'm going to catch them on the Serbia leg um, just to see how they fare against, you know, grown men international competition, because um, I think that's a good kind of stepping stone for them after playing basically like, prep basketball um at the high school level i mean working out this summer with jabari smith jr and other pros that came through atlanta but having that five on five competition um against grown men in europe is really going to be i think a good benchmark for not only me going over to see him but all the nba scouts that are going as well have you done this before so i know you went um new zealand i know you saw ball i know you've been to yeah. that side of the no, have I you haven't. Done the European version? I have not done Europe yet. So, um, you know what? I, this is totally uh, kind of like off the cusp of Warriors, but there is a Denver Nuggets blog, DNVR Nuggets, and they sent about, I want to say eight or 10 people over to Serbia. Right now, they're over in Serbia. It has been like the most fun to follow what they're doing there because. They went to Nikola Jokic's uh, hometown. They went to his elementary school. They went to, 
you know, the place where uh, his MVP trophy was delivered and like the Serbian people are just welcoming, welcoming them with open arms. And they're, oh. they, they, the main reason for going over there is Giannis uh, plays against uh, Nikola Jokic in, I think tomorrow or two days in Serbia. So that game obviously is going to be insane because the European championships are going on right now. Um, but for what I do on the NBA draft side, um, those prospects will be playing later, later this year. Maxime, this one goes to you. So we know what kind of a professional KP is. You also heard me drop the name like four or five times. I was practicing the last name when Manyama before. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. And I mean, I really like, it wasn't easy for me. I like did like the YouTube pronunciation, the whole nine yards. So Maxime, when Christian realized that she wasn't going to go, you know, watch him, but she heard me drop it in the intro four or 5,000 times. Should she have just pretended like she was going to go see him on this trip? I mean, no one was going to go look up his schedule. Like they wouldn't know. But honestly, Bram, right Bram, you're not wrong though. I am going to Europe soon to see him. That's my point. It's That's just exactly not this point. <laughs> You could have just, you could have just, you know, totally roped it in and made it sound like I knew what I was talking about. Now it sounds like I'm a little bit off, you know? So what do you think, Maxime? Should we be angry or is she just being intellectually honest here? I, I think that Kristen's, you know, wants to be an honest person, right? Knows that we're going to be hanging out a lot more on the pod, you know, in the coming months and might catch her in between multiple trips, right? And doesn't want to set it off on the wrong foot. Also, we all know your struggles with pronunciation. And I think any opportunity to hear you nail the name like that is one that should be celebrated. So this is more opportunity for you to say the name. And I think that's worth it. I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. I don't appreciate you screwing me over, KP, and whenever. Well, like, what, what would you but... have done if I just let you? If I just let you say it, and then like I'm on the pod again in five weeks, and you're like, "What's new?" And I'm like, "I'm going to France to see Victor Wembanyama," and you're like, "What do you mean? You were just over there?" <laughs> no, I would have pretended that you were going to go see him twice. I'd be like, "That's incredible," and then I would have gone back to your carbon monoxide story. Don't you worry about that. Are you looking forward to the trip? When is it? I know you asked me, you're like, when are you leaving? I'm like, I don't know what day it is. And I look at my phone. I'm like, oh, I'm leaving in a week. And I haven't even thought anything of it because I'm working on, I'm trying to sell my house. So I've got that at the forefront of my mind right now, not Europe, but it's fine. Like I'm on the road constantly. Like whether I'm in California or I'm over in Serbia, I'm sure everything's fine. <laughs> it's all, it's all <laughs> Well, when you come back, I'm actually very excited to hear what you think of Win Banyama. I know you're going to go watch it. <laughs> jokes! Just jokes! Let's get to our golden questions. So, Christian, you know this is our mailbag. Um, it always deals with the Warriors, occasionally gets personal. I've looked through some of these, and it does both, but a quick, I don't know, excuse. So, normally speaking, I get to just straightforward read these. Right now, I'm trying to avoid a nasty car accident. So if I screw up any of these questions, if I don't do them verbatim, my uh, apologies in advance. But here's our first. So this one has to do with schedules, uh, Christian. And what they're saying is this person owns a ticket package for the Warriors, is arguing with the person who he splits those tickets with, and wants to get a sense of who they should go see next year. So their question to you is, if you could only watch three young players live next year, Ooh. who would you pick? Ooh, um, okay. This is this is a good one. And I, I'm trying to think of, like, Western Conference teams. Yep. Um, 
Because obviously, I mean, if you have if you've not seen Chet Holgram in person, you you have to see it to know what it is to like see a player that size do what he does. Yep. So if OKC is coming through and to see him, I'm telling you, like the Oklahoma City Thunder are about two years removed from being a very, very dangerous team. And I wrote about this because I think Sam Presti went ahead and drafted the best young draft class this past year under everybody's eyes. Cause all he did was draft six, 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 seven plus players with like go-go gadget arms, you know, with like six foot 10 wingspans yep. are defensive machines run the floor. Well, they're all young and you're going to build that around Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy. Are you kidding? Who just like run and pass and run some more like, this is going to be one of the best defensive teams in the NBA here coming up in the near future. Um, huh. So please go see them at some point. And I love it. This is a warrior center podcast. And I'm like, okay, see, is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that precursor. Um, but before you go to the second one, just to add to that, I kind of like that they sent Giddy to summer league. You know, I mean, because he doesn't, after the year he had as a rookie, he doesn't need any Vegas exposure. You know, I mean, his game is already ready to go. But I like them acknowledging you are going to be half or at least a part of our core. So why not start developing your guys' chemistry now? And you could see that by the end of the two or three games that Holmgren and he played together, they had developed a friendship, if not an on-court chemistry. So, yeah, they're, they're already working towards that stuff. I will say this about Chet Holgram. And, and Josh Giddy, who uh, Bram just said, you know, during summer league, you could see their on and off court chemistry. Um, but when I talked to Josh Giddy and I asked him about that, I said, you know, your, your chemist, you guys look like you're having the best time. And he goes, Chet, like, I was one of the first phone calls Chet made after he was drafted. And he called me and it was, you know, whatever, Thursday night in New York. And I was in Oklahoma City and he goes, I want to get in the gym tomorrow. Can we, can we link up after I do all the wow. stuff? So he uh, literally reached out to Josh, one of the first players, one of the first people after being picked by OKC and said, I want to get in the gym with you. And since then they've been, you know, um, they've, they've kind of been inseparable, but the, another team and another player that I would say if they came through, I'm sorry, this is very bad of me. Um, but cause I told Pram I've been, watching all of Bronny James's games in Europe the last couple of days. So when the schedule was dropped, I didn't go and read through all of the games that the Warriors are playing. But um, if Detroit is coming through, uh, Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham, um, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, that whole core would be super fun to see. Um, and then I guess, I mean, you got to go see Palo Caro if you can. I, again, I don't know if, uh, <laughs> if they're coming through. But if not, I know the Rockets will. So on that team, you know, you got Jabari Smith, who went number three, who everyone thought was going number one. Also, Tari Eason, who I thought was one of the biggest sleepers in this draft. He's kind of got Scotty Barnes-like tendencies on defense. Um, and then, of course, Ty Ty Washington, the guard out of Kentucky. And everybody knows if the track record has proven time over time that Kentucky guards are way more productive in the NBA than they are at the college level. You know, when looking at Jamal Murray – uh, Devin Booker, Tyrese Maxey, Tyler Hero, um, all those players are much better pros than they were at the college level. So there, there's, you, there's some guys. Did you follow the social media beef between Paolo and DeJounte Murray? Did you yes. see that story when it, 
um, so I don't, I mean, obviously I don't know anything about either personality, but I know even less about Palos and I'd never seen DeJounte be demonstrative about anything. So from what, I mean, I, and one of the things I love about your appearances is that, you know, all of these players, I especially know. the young ones. Okay. Yes. So when you saw that going down, how did you assume that that was impacting Paolo? I mean, what what behind the scenes? Uh, well, not even behind the scenes. I don't, don't. I want to ask it that way. From your understanding of his personality type, how do you think that impacted him? What the hell was going on there? I'll tell you exactly <laughs> what happened. Okay, Dejounte and Paolo are from the same area in in Seattle or outside of Washington or outside of Seattle. So obviously, like they've known who each other are coming up. And even to the point where DeJounte said this in his little like beef tirade, where he said, I remember you just as a young kid asking for a picture with me, Um, just showing that kind of like respect type thing. And I think what happened and is Paolo is the number one pick. Um, He, his ego might be a little inflated. And so he's coming in. DeJounte has been in the league for some time now. Um, and probably wanted to show him something, but in actuality, yep. it was DeJounte who embarrassed him and did the whole kind of like, Oh, it's here. No, it's not. I'm going to scoop it behind you and make <laughs> you look like an idiot. instead of just shooting the basketball. Um, and that, I mean, any player that that happens to that hurts your ego. So I don't know why Paolo then was like, Oh, I see you like you're you, or you unfollowed me or this and that, the other, like, I see you fam. And then DeJounte coming back, like, I'm here for it. I'm not mad but Paolo, Paolo does not shy away from controversy. Like he's very active on Twitter. Um, he's been like that probably since his junior year in high school, just calling a spade a spade. Um, and he even said like he had beef with me at one point because I put him fourth in my mock draft when he was, I want to say like a junior in high school after, after an event where like Chet just dribbled circles around him. And I called or I texted him for um, a quote on um on, I can't even remember what it was, but he's just like, I have nothing to say to you, KP. You put, you put me fourth in your mock draft. I was like, for for a draft that's two years away. Like, what are we really doing here? You know? So I don't know. None of it's surprising. If I'm a fan of the Orlando magic, all of this, I would love, you know, you, you want somebody who's not only competitive, but who can create completely bullshit thoughts of being disrespected and then get motivated by it. Well, okay. And not only that, uh, hello, we've got Cole Anthony as his point guard on the team who is, by the way, very similar personality, very outspoken, um, loves to run his mouth, loves to just, I mean, whether that's positive or, you know, trying to start beef, but like they kind of, I mean, it's a match made in heaven. Honestly, this could be, this could be like the pairing that, <laughs> that the magic need to get back in that win column, you know? Uh, Maxine, did you follow the back and forth? You know what we're talking about? You see I know, thing? yes, absolutely. Okay, so the, and and for those who may not have, Paolo, the number one pick, played in a summer league game against an established star, DeJounte Murray, who is in his own transition. He, he just got traded away from the Spurs and is now starting up a new career in Atlanta. And in that matchup, DeJounte embarrassed Paolo. I mean, it was just one play, but just as KP described, he faked past uh, Paolo took the bait, started looking in the wrong direction. And while his back was to DeJounte, DeJounte went off the backboard and then put it in off of Paolo. Not only and that, it doesn't he, hit, he hit him in the back with the ball first. That's, that's right. There you go. That's right. So it's this very disrespectful play. Then they take the social media and they take shots at one another, which leads back to this question. If that's me, if I'm on either side of it and it goes public, 
in a public setting, I'm talking all this shit and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making myself as big as I can, but internally I'm panicking. I hate it. I'm sweating every time everybody else is reading this beef KP for you. I imagine you'd be comfortable within the conflict. I don't think it would bother you. I think that's your personality type. Whereas Maxime, I think you'd be closer to me. I think like as it's going on publicly, you know, you're showing it doesn't bother you, but personally, it's it's destroying you. Uh, let me start with you, Christian. Would it bother you? Like, if you're in a public beef, how does your personality work? Do you care? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, I care. Like, that clip was seen, like, that that thing lived on the internet. I think I, I scrolled Instagram, and it was the every other highlight of a clip for, like, yeah. two days straight. So it's like, knowing that in our social media age, knowing that that's not only going to be on ESPN and Sports Center, but it's going to be all over Instagram, all over TikTok, all over Twitter, like that's embarrassing. And of course that's going to bother me. And I'm sure there were words said after the fact between DeJounte and, and Paolo. Cause let's be honest, like DeJounte is, he's not like this, like <laughs> rainbows and sunshine type guy. Like he's been in the league long enough, long enough to know that um, he knows how to talk smack and like, and get people going. And especially if it's a young, young player, a rookie coming in um, like Paolo, even though he was the number one pick, it's like DeJounte's going to be like, no, you have to earn your keep here. Like, let me show you young buck. Like this is what it's about. So, and Paolo doesn't like that. <laughs> how about you, Maxime? How would you take it? Yeah. So in either situation, you're spot on. Here's the deal. I could have done everything. If I'm DeJounte, I do everything beautifully. Right. I, I, I make the, the dunk. Everything looks great. And then I check the ball as I'm saying, hey, welcome to the league or whatever to Paolo. And, and that move, I think, is pretty embarrassing. And sort of for a lot of people, I think, was a little bit a bridge too far to, you know. And that would make me, it doesn't matter that I did everything perfectly and totally schooled the number one pick. That would be the thing that I'd be thinking about the whole time. I tell you the thing that stuck out to me about that story is how the NBA is a 52-week season now. You know, I mean, that thing came out, I don't know, two, three weeks after the finals ended and it got the same attention as some of the stories that leaked out of Boston. I mean, like we there is no offseason for the NBA now. If, if anything happens, even during a summer league game, I mean, just recently that that crossover uh, game that featured all the NBA stars in Seattle got an unbelievable amount of attention. So this is a 12 month, a year league now, and I'm here for it. It's not a complaint. Um, but it wasn't always like that. And so I guess I guess we are lucky to have people like KP to drop opinions on all of this stuff. Um, here, let me give you another one, another schedule-based one. Quote, the NBA announced a schedule over the past couple of weeks and gave Golden State matchups first the Lakers on opening day and against Memphis on Christmas. Generally speaking, those are rivalry games. Do you view the Lakers and Memphis as the Warriors' biggest rivals right now? So, Christian, I want your answer on that. You know, looking at the league and you're objective, you're not stuck with all the emotion that we are. Who do you view as the Warriors' biggest rivals? And before your answer, I'll just hedge by saying I took to Twitter and asked, you know, Warrior fans out there, who do you think the rivals are? And the answers were all over the board. And I don't remember it ever being like that. You know, I've, I've been I've been rooting for this team for decades and there was always one fucking hated team we could point to, whoever it was. The Lakers for a while, the Clippers, CP3. I mean, there was always that one team that we could identify that we got all fired up for. That wasn't true, at least with the responses I got for this year. 
So start with you, KP. Who do you think? Who's who is the biggest rival right now? Okay, definitely not the Lakers. Like, come on. Yeah. I I know, <laughs> and I understand the Christmas Day game because Jaw versus uh, Steph in December is a lot of fun. But the biggest rival it has to be the Suns, right? Especially where, where they're at right now with CP3 and and um, and Devin Booker just matching yep. up so well at the guard position. Um, I, it has to be the Suns, right? Do you agree with that, Memphis? Or Memphis? Max, I didn't agree with it. Do you want I, me to call you Memphis for the remainder of this podcast? I would actually really hate that because I really can't stand Memphis at this point. And it's it's I totally agree. The jaw Steph rivalry is is great. I love sort of the jaw the jawing. Oh my gosh. I didn't I'm sorry. The the back and forth um that we got during the playoffs, uh, where Jaw sort of got a little bit big for his britches there. But it's also really compelling. We're hearing a lot of noise about Anthony Edwards um showing up in offseason workouts looking um pretty scary. And I think that's pretty compelling with Wiseman coming back into the fold and and hopefully, fingers crossed, having a first real full season. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of noise about one versus two and, uh, you know, and what what would it have been like if the roles were reversed and we got to pick first. I think there's just a lot of intrigue for that particular matchup. Okay. Okay. Let me just say something real quick. You, this is how I know you're a fan because, <laughs> because you saying like how you hate Memphis because of the back and forth between Ja and Steph during the playoffs. Like that was great television. And both of them like knew that Memphis knew there was zero chance that they were going to win that series. And like nobody, nobody, nobody was touching the Warriors this year. Okay. And like, I know you guys going through it probably didn't feel that way watching the playoff playoffs, but someone who was just like objectively watching, I'm like, no, this team's on a mission. Like nobody, nobody. So the whole Memphis series, like it didn't bother me probably as much as it did you guys as a fan. And uh, yeah. please, probably, Kristen, I dented my wall with my phone when they lost that game by forty. I like legitimately, like I, I, I don't know if I've ever had more emotional problems than while watching that Memphis series. So no, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that you didn't take it as hard as we did. But why do you back up? Because what you just dropped is gold. Why do you say that Memphis never believed that they could win that? Where's that? No, no, no. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said me as a basketball person watching that series I was watching it knowing that how young that group still is and seeing the experience and the way Steph moves off the ball the way Clay was shooting the way Draymond was defensively killing everyone whether it was you know Jaron Jackson Jr. or even Kevon Looney having those great games I mean like to me watching it not being invested as a fan I'm like no no okay this yep. Memphis team is on their way up. Desmond Bain on his way up, but they're they're not there. Like, and I I I was in the gym with Zaire Williams during the offseason, and I was just like, what was it like guarding Steph Curry? And he said to me, KP, there is nobody who does his craft better than he does. Like he hmm. moves, he said he moves so well off the ball that there's you can't even think about anything else on defense except what he's doing. And that's how that that's how their offense does so well because you've got one or two guys that are always concentrate. Where's Steph? Where's Steph? Where is he? Yep. Where is he? Yep. You know, and that opens up the floor and spacing for everybody else. Um, so yeah, that that's 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 my that's my uh Memphis rant. But no, I mean it makes it makes perfect sense. And and the thing is, is that you guys hit both sides of this coin for me. So when it comes to rivals, and I take this shit way too seriously and way too hard. It's almost two different questions. 
You know, you can look at it from a roster and what happens on the floor standpoint, in which case, of course, it's Phoenix. I mean, we, Phoenix dominated throughout the year last year. They had a hiccup during the playoffs for obvious reasons. But if you look at their roster, they're probably still our biggest impediment in the Western Conference. And that's the team that we got to worry about as far as winning a title. So on the floor, I think it has to be Phoenix. But off the floor, there's none of this run up. You know, there's none of this like WWE shit talking and emotion and everything else that we have now built up for Memphis. And so when I'm trying to come up with who the biggest rival is, I think the way I defined it in my mind is if I could pick a team that the Warriors could beat soundly in the playoffs, what I would enjoy the most as a fan, who would it be? And I think right now it is Memphis. Okay, that's fair. I hate saying it, though. I hate saying it. You know, it gives them credit in a way I don't think they deserve it. It's like saying that a speed bump is a car's biggest rival because you got to go over it to get onto the freeway. You know, like they we're in totally different places. They shouldn't even be elevated to our rival. But I think that's where they're at right now, as much as it bothers me, if that makes any sense. I cannot believe you just compared the Memphis Grizzlies to a speed bump in the road. Of course, of course I did. If, if you think, <laughs> if you think that I didn't fucking pick this question just so I could drop that analogy at some point, you're crazy. I, I spent forever writing that, and I'm glad it felt like it landed. Uh, here's a couple of the other rivals we got when I took to Twitter: the '90s Bulls, the luxury tax, anybody <laughs> CP3 plays for, injuries themselves, father time and Wiseman turnovers, which I thought was totally <laughs> unnecessary. You know what you I mean? You know how I feel about Wiseman. Like when, <laughs> when you said, Maxine, when you said, oh, well, you know, Wiseman's coming back and Anthony Edwards looks really good. There's no question. Even if you guys had the number one pick that year, like you should be taking Anthony Edwards. And then after that, you should, you should be taking LaMelo Ball. You shouldn't even be taking James Wiseman in the top five. Like that should, that should never even be a question that you have. We're like, oh, like I was, trying, I was like, you know, you know how I feel about that sort of situation. Anyways, I won't. I do know how you feel. And because of that, I'm not going to ask you any follow-ups. You know that I'm very <laughs> sensitive about that topic. Instead, I will tell you that I tried to watch Hustle again. And I love that movie. And you've completely fucking ruined it for me. Oh, my God. Completely. I mean, like, I, you really have. Like, I was I was watching it with a friend. And then when they showed Anthony Edwards in there and the, my friend tried to compliment him the way that we all have. You know, he's so great in this. And I can't wait to see where he goes. I turned to him and say, just so you know, the number two pick would never be in this scenario. And I was quoting you directly. So you've you've completely ruined that movie for you. I, I hope you're happy with yourself. Well, did I ruin it for you? Did I make you look like you're a genius or you're an expert to the friend that you were watching this movie with? Because it could go either way. Like, wow, how do you know so much about the pre-draft process? That's pretty impressive. Like, yeah, I oh, mean, parents, parents and kids aren't allowed in the stands. during the draft combine it could have gone either way if my friend had given a single fuck about what i'd said and was actually listening to what i was what i was dropping that that's the that's what i was hoping to have had happen and then when i looked up expecting to get like some praise from him it looked like he was just annoyed that i was speaking so no i think i think unfortunately it just ruined my experience but it is a good crossover to our next question so this listener wants to know what we should expect from our second year guys so they've, you know, they've broken it down. J.K. Moody Wiseman, take them in any order you like. But what are some reasonable expectations for, you know, these second-year players? Because I'll warn you, 
I am one of them. I'm expecting huge things from Kaminga. In fact, I think that's why the Warriors felt comfortable letting some of these guys go, you know, letting GP2 go, letting uh, Bielitsa go, because they think that these guys are going to take a big leap. I think uh, JK is going to have a huge year this year. And it, and it really blows my mind when you think about the fact that he reclassified up a grade in high school to then go play against grown men in the G League. And then you're drafted in the lottery in a top 10 pick to the Golden State Warriors. And then you win a ring your very first year before you turn 20 years old. Like, has anybody had a better year than Jonathan Kavinga and Moses Moody? I don't think so. Like, It's, yeah, it's been sure. incredible. Um, but with JK, I mean, he's, he's an ultra, ultra competitor. I think we saw glimpses of what he'll bring to the team in the next couple of years, just with his explosiveness off the wing, the way he finishes around the rim, uh, his, his, uh, first step in transition, all these things that are only going to get better with time because he's still so young and so raw. And with Moses, I mean, you got to think, uh, shooter, another shooter to come off the bench, to give clay or Steph a little bit of downtime and still be able to put the basket, um, in from deep. Um, and, and the thing with, and I, I just told someone this story, but the thing with Mo is like, I was watching the NBA finals and when they finally won and I saw his mom on the floor and I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's, there's, uh, Mo's family. And she's giving him this long hug and you can just see like how proud she is as a mother. And what I saw in that hug was like, how hard he's had to prove people wrong just to get to this point. Because in high school, he played alongside Kay Cunningham, Scotty Barnes. Um, it was always like second, third, fourth fiddle, was snubbed as a McDonald's All-American, uh, went to Arkansas, did his thing, and then was a lottery pick. So everybody's path is different. And then to be an NBA champion, I saw that emotion like in the hug that his mother was giving him. And I'm like, oh, like yeah, I almost started crying, you know, it was so, it, yeah. was, it was so cool. But any all the experience that those two got um, was invaluable going through the playoffs this season. Cause think about all the young players that have never gone through that. And you've got a front row seat to uh, one of the best to ever play the game in, in Steph Curry and one of the best shooters right now in the league, Clay Thompson. And then one of the best leaders on the court, always running his mouth, always encouraging his teammates and trash talking the other team and Draymond green. Like you got a front row seat like that. Yep. That is you, you can't even, put any sort of like money on that experience as a player. And they're just going to use that to keep growing and, um, and helping the franchise. So yes, I do think those two are going to have a very impactful year. Who was the other one you asked about? Oh, you know who it is. You know exactly (laughs) who it is. Don't you, I mean, don't you make me feel better just, just to keep the optimism going before we turn to Wiseman and hopefully get more optimism. One of the quotes I saw that stuck out to me from Draymond as you say, you know, he had obviously millions of motivations on why he wants to get a title. And it's not until, you know, the fifth or sixth or maybe the 20th reason that he got to this. But he said that one of the benefits was giving a title to first year players like Moody and Kaminga, because now they don't have to worry about chasing that through the rest of their career. You know, now now they can just focus on their own personal development and continue continue to bring in titles for the team, but they don't have to worry about being a veteran, you know, 15 years down the line without having a ring on their finger. And I kind of like that. It's kind of a magnanimous um, observation from Draymond. It shows he's a team forward player kind of thing. Yeah. That's honestly probably one of the most hit that and, and giving praise to Jordan Poole are two of the most like 
positive things I've ever heard Draymond Green say. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. I bet you he would like my speed bump analogy too, but I haven't had a chance to uh, to rent a buy him. Okay, I've, I've got a chance to work up my thick skin. What are we hoping from Wiseman? And I mean, I've asked you this um, in the past. The only thing we've seen since is his return to summer league, which I know you were at. So, you know, you, you got a chance to see kind of where he is physically. He's at least back on the floor. What are reasonable expectations? What do you think we're going to see from him? Okay. I mean, I'll try to keep this half glass full. Um, my, I, here's, here's the thing. He probably, he hasn't played a lot of five on five competitive basketball for almost three years. If we think about, it, he only played three college games before his recruiting violations happened. He left. Then you have the year of COVID. Then he gets drafted, plays a little bit his first year, but then has his mysterious meniscus tear or whatever that knee injury was. Um, and now he's back and everything's positive, but you're in year three now. And I think that the pressure is starting to mount for him to be a top two draft pick and being productive um, in, in, in the rotation. I don't think that's going to happen right away. I think they're going to ease into it. Cause again, like I said, like these expectations need to come a little bit slower because he hasn't played in so long competitively. And we all yep. know that the speed and pace of the game at the NBA level takes a lot of getting used to. So when you're a young player and you've been out for that long, like it's going to take a minute before he starts to get his feet under him. Um, I still think we're going to see a lot of rim protection, which is what he was known for at the high school level and also uh, briefly at the college level. So he's going to bring a defensive presence, but I just, I don't know what to expect from him um, as a whole package yet in yeah. the first half of the season. I mean, they're going to, they got to figure it out. Right. I mean, they, they, there's a contract scenario that's coming up and if nothing else, I hope that they get him enough minutes where they can actually evaluate if it's a good idea to extend him or not. I mean, I feel like they might have to extend him just on general principle to get that time, but maybe we can get enough of a glimpse um, during this year where they can make an educated decision. But I guess, I guess we'll find out. There's uh, there's no substitute for that. Look, and, and I'll say this again, trying to be positive. Um, he's still uh, very young. He's, what, 21 years old. And so by no means is he like a washed up player, but it's starting to get to that point where he needs to start being productive. Like look at, yeah. look at all the other players that are in his draft class or even last year's draft class, which is, by the way, one of the deepest, most productive rookie classes we've seen in recent memory. Yeah. Um, but he needs to start being at that level if, you're right. If he wants to ex extend his contract. No, you're right. And hopefully the role that they're going to ask him to play is exactly the kind of, you know, um, backdrop for success that he needs. When we saw him during his rookie year, all of this infrastructure that we were just describing, you know, the clay, the Steph, the spacing that they bring, Draymond's leadership, even the championship experience for last year, none of that was there. Right. You know, he, he was kind of asked to do way more than the Warriors really need him to do. So I'm hoping next year in a much more protected environment, in a basically just go out there, be tall and athletic scenario, he can do those two things. But, you know, we'll find out. Um, and we're going to find out in not too long. Last question, and it's a schedule one again. Maxime, <laughs> I'll throw it towards you. If you could go to any regular season game next year, what would it be? Uh, wow. Well, as a fan, I mean, I would love, I've never been to, um, a ring ceremony. We've now had a couple of them. I would love to see that go down just for the history of it. Um, 
But quite frankly, I mean, outside of that, I think I would, I would also, I'm just very curious to see uh, a finals rematch, uh, like with the Boston Celtics. I think that'd be very compelling, especially because there's, you know, some little potential for there to be one Kevin Durant, um, on that team as well. And I think regardless of whether or not he's there, Jason Tatum, uh, is going to have, I think a, uh, a revenge season, um, you know, just to get back at all the haters. Cause he did not have a great postseason run. And I think he's just going to be fantastic to watch play. And I would, I've never seen him live. So that's my pick. If I was guaranteed to win, and obviously they can't do that. If I was guaranteed to win, I go Christmas, you know, um, without that guarantee, I feel like I take a loss to Memphis so damn hard, especially on national television and especially on Christmas day that I'm not sure I could handle that. Um, but I, that, I think that's still my pick. I think I go Christmas day Memphis and then just cross my fingers and hope it doesn't cost me years of my life for you. Christmas, don't, don't limit it to the warriors, any team, any matchup during the regular season next year. What would you oh, like? To well, first I want to make sure Maxime, didn't you see the latest rumor from Sham Sharana? Oh, I, uh, I sure did. <laughs> about the latest team to get in on the Kevin Durant <laughs> talks. Uh, Memphis? <laughs> um, no, any any. Team, that would break any- my brain, just to be clear. I know. Uh, if if that I wouldn't were- even talk about it. I just went silent. I just started sweating right there. I did see that. I refused to acknowledge it, and I wish you hadn't brought it up. Oh my gosh. Well, if that were to happen, shoot, I would definitely go to a Warriors Grizzlies game like any day of the week. That would be must watch television. I mean, how could you not want that just as a pure basketball fan? Um, Honestly, like in terms of you guys know this, like I watch way too much basketball. So uh, probably seven out of seven of the nights during the season, I'm going to have at least one game on. um, And Sometimes the games are really good. Like there could be a random matchup between Milwaukee and I don't know, the Miami heat at that's really high level. And I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I love this game of basketball. And then I'll sit there with my dog, Gary, and be like, this is why we're still single. <laughs> Cause this is all, all I do. Like when Bram hit me up, he's like, Oh, what, what, you know, are we going to do this podcast? And I was going to tell him like, I wasn't even going to tell him the truth. Like, oh, I had a jam-packed weekend with my family when I was like, no, why would I lie to him? No, I was watching high school fall ball basketball. That's, that's all. Just so you know, I was hell of impressed. Uh, it, it, would, it came off as a deep cut. Like, I am so into hoop. I even dive into Bronny's career right now. So for, for what it's worth, it padded your resume as opposed <laughs> to anything else. It was, uh, it was very nicely played. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. Um, for the record, he did look very good over in Europe and even better at Peach Jam at the end of the summer, which uh, which was really good for him. But let's let's also talk that uh, Bronny James is not six foot three guys. He's barely pushing six foot two. I don't know where this narrative is coming from. Just know that on the record, I'm saying it six foot two. Okay. Well, after you watch Victor next week, I want you to compare their two games to, we'll wait, we'll wait a week until you've had a chance to, to get out to France. KP, I appreciate you. I mean, jokes aside, we have a lot of fun during these podcasts, but I can't tell you how much I just enjoy having you on here. Your basketball knowledge is second to none. And I am positive. I'm not the only one feeling that way. Uh, for people who need way more Christian peak in their life, where do they go? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kristen Peak or Instagram at Kristen Peak. Um, yeah, it's going to get very exciting. Uh, come for all of the Victor Wimbanyama 
coverage in Europe. And then you're going to be like, Victor has a twin. They don't look like they're seven foot three. <laughs> I'll, be, I, I'll be following around the Thompson twins. <laughs> there you go. For us, uh, if you want to look for any additional content, you can look for me pulled over on the side of 880, recording a podcast pretty much at any point. You can also see us up on social media where our loan account is at Twitter, which is at Warrior Subtle. And if you want to get us to a question um, or let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job, you can shoot us an email to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. With that in mind, go Warriors. And hopefully, see you next week. Good, good. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.